0: Good evening, welcome to another edition of the Gelsnet Podcast, the independent rangers podcast by fans for fans, where all the content, is absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. I'm your host tonight, Brian Archer, and as always we would encourage you to get onto the Gelsnet website and check out our forums for all your latest rangers news and discussion. We're live tonight on the YouTube channel and we would ask that you continue to share the pod on social media spread the word and please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Before I introduce my guests for tonight, I need to give another mention to our partners over at Forest Precision Engineering, a Glasgow based engineering company who have been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for a number of years. We're delighted to have them support the podcast. If you want more information about them, please visit their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. They also have a stunning executive lounge in the Ibrox main stand. And for more information on that, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Right, now to bring in my guest, joining me tonight is Stuart Weir. Stuart, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Good, good. Um, obviously, we're here to first go over is the game at the weekend, victory over uh, Aberdeen. Always um, always good to get a, a win at Ibrox, especially against the... Uh, well, Dean, first thing I wanted to your thoughts on where the team selection for me I thought it was a very attacking lineup. I was kind of surprised to see Lawrence in there ahead of somebody like Sterling or Raskin did that can I catch you by surprise at all? Um, not really, I think um, that
1: you have to use home advantage where possible and I think um, one way you can use home advantage is to actually go in the offensive rather than Playing as a sort of containing game, um, and I thought that's what Rangers did uh, on on Wednesday night. It, it worked for a, a a good chunk of the first half, and eventually they managed to get another goal in the second half to win the the, the, the game. But um, I wasn't really that surprised. The other thing I think you have to say is that the sort of personnel changes you could almost have predicted there would be one or two simply because of the volume of matches that Rangers are going to have to play over the next wee while, and therefore if there's various players that can be used or utilised or tried and tested um, going forward, I think that was an opportunity again because it was a home game regardless of who it was against. Um, I think Rangers ultimately made it kind of difficult for themselves, but three points is what you set out to achieve, uh, and so therefore it was job done.
0: Yeah, no, we took the we took the lead, nice and early. Good, nicely taken finish with my Matondo to put us ahead. But did we kind of see the good and the not so good from Matondo? And that you know he got the goal, nice finish, but he should have really had had another shortly after when he kind of hesitated, went through on one on one, and it, he you should have put that one away from me, but just hesitated and managed to kind of squander the opportunity.
1: I think uh, the uh, I mean Matondo um kind of falls into the the same category as you know other other wingers um and historically you have guys that have um you either have a a a good night or you have a not a good night i think by their very nature wingers blow hot and cold i think you saw with the goal he took the goal um pretty well but I think after that, you saw that he he might have struggled a wee bit and toiled a wee bit. But as I say, that's probably more to do with the nature of of being a a, a winger, um, and um, you see almost see the same kind of criticisms um, levelled as well at uh, McCoslin. You know, McCausland showing your pace a bit of direction without any having any real sort of product at the end of it but again that's you know you could blame him or not blame him but you could say that because he's young he's maybe trying too hard as well i would say um but you know wingers i got you know i can go far enough back to remember you know like say willie henderson and willie johnson and the likes they would have good games and bad games and different games. Wingers as a, a breed are hugely frustrating. So I think the likes of Matondo and McCausland playing playing wide, it's it's something that that comes with the territory.
0: As much as we all seen that kind of inconsistency from Matondo, he is probably in his best run of form since yeah. he joined the club. Brilliant! Really. He scored um, another good goal um, last weekend against uh, Livingston. And he has kind of shown his he's best since he joined. Is he, is he proven that he can be a kind of good option in the absence of Seymour?
1: Well, I think he should have got into his back pocket, maybe they pulled, you know, 20 quid out and, and gave it to um, Kellerus, the Aberdeen goalkeeper, for his assist. I mean, that was, it, it, I mean, the guy went down like a, a, a broken wardrobe, really. Even down in installments. The ball, okay, it may have maybe skipped across the turf twice or, or three times, but it was a it was a a poor attempt of a save. However, he showed enough to get in the box and convert the rebound, which is all you can ask for. And and again, if he if he'd missed that chance and hadn't contributed anything, then I think you could be really critical of him, but the fact he scored a goal and, and what you say there, Brian, is absolutely right. He isn't a good vein of form when it comes to actually contributing goals, which you know, I, I don't think a lot of people saw. And again, with with goals, um, you know, having to come from somewhere, the fact that he's actually scoring a few, it's um they're, they're always always welcome and, and midweek they were particularly welcome.
0: Yeah, they, they were and um, speaking of um, goals coming from somewhere, we did um, manage to concede a sloppy goal right on the stroke at half-time and to be honest this is something I, I was really hoping that Clermont had managed to cut out of our game was these kind of sloppy errors but goal gets beat with kind of one ball over the top and his uh, credit puts it away nicely but it's a similar theme with we go we've seen him in particular. In similar situations like that, a number of times this season, I'm thinking Kyogo Ibrox is another one, and Miofsky I think as well. At um, Petardry early on the season, is that a concern for you going forward? Just how easily we can get caught out with that long ball. He, he
1: I mean, you know what Miofsky is going to do there. He's going to, he's going to be uh, play the man almost, and and I think the fact that he actually causes a bit of panic. Um, from Goldson and and unnerves Goldson it gives him means it's almost like fifty percent job done. All he needs to do then is get half a chance, and he's going to convert it. And he, he's a he's a pretty useful striker, I have to say. Um, but I thought that Goldson just lacked about of composure. it just looked as if he was going to be panicked into and into making a mistake. I think if you actually watch a rerun of the goal. Butland, I don't think, did much to actually help him or assist him. I think Butland, if you look at his starting position when that ball's played forward, he actually goes back the way. If he'd actually taken two, you know, stood where he was and take a step or a couple of steps forward, he would have got to that ball long before uh, either the the attacker or the defender would have. So um, maybe he was thinking that he would give goals in his place and he could do the job, but it was was a, a, a really Bad goal to concede. Um, I don't think either of the two of them particularly covered themselves in glory. Um, But again, it's something that you've watched Rangers at times this season, and it always seems as if there's that mistake in them that out of nothing. And it really wasn't a nothing. It was the a, a Aberdeen player hooked it over his shoulder and hooked it forward. That was as good as he was going to get. And all of a sudden, he, he's created a goal out of nothing. And for a first half where Rangers dominated and created a, a good few chances to go in one each at half time, must have, must have really frustrated uh, the manager uh, in terms of is this another? Uh, we've, we've made this harder for ourselves, are we now going to have to produce a shift to win this game? Unfortunately, they had enough in them to to do so in the second half, probably assisted greatly by the fact that uh, Aberdeen's new manager was getting caught up in the atmosphere and kept looking round into the stands thinking what a fantastic place this was to play football rather than
0: focusing on what his team were doing. Yeah, he did seem to be enjoying himself on the sidelines there. Um, You mentioned um, Miovsky there, you know, well, I um, keep both strikers, I don't know, but you think about this, but we were linked heavily with Shankland in the January window and out of all the strikers in the SPFL, is that actually Miofsky is the one I would be most keen on as signing, to be honest? I I, I think,
1: you know, I was surprised that, I'm surprised he's still at Aberdeen, to be honest. I'd have thought somebody somewhere would have taken a, a punt on him. And and the fact that you would have to think that you know the old firm Rangers and Celtic were at the front of the queue because they've seen them you know time and time again this season. You would have thought that they may have actually thought to themselves this is you know a few million quid we might need to spend here, but we're getting somebody who's actually going to score goals. Um, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I would have had him before. Um, Shank, I think he offers more, maybe even long term he offers more, but, um, maybe that, you know, maybe that one's passed everybody by and, um uh, he might, you know, he might not see, or oh, he'll see it this season, but he might not be there for much longer at Aberdeen. I think other people are, are taking notice and the fact that he scored that many goals and also he's opportunist. You know in terms of the goals he scores there was nothing in that the other night there absolutely nothing in it and he made it by harassing goals and making a mistake and then knocked it past the goalkeeper and and well i think i think there's a there would be a value in and in, in taking a look at him yeah and it was the same for the goal he scored against celtic there was there was there was a nothing a nothing balling he kind of made the all himself and made the goal himself in fact, definitely one I think fact
0: should be um, taking a look at if that opportunity is not already passed us by in terms of price pricing, um, but yeah, I guess we'll watch the space on that one. In um, the second half, a lot with a few subs early doors which he's kind of known to do. Um, if not at halftime, pretty pretty soon into the second half, he brought on um, Silva and Cortez. I thought both made a made a really good impact. Silva was obviously involved in the winning goal and I thought Cortez's ability just to carry the ball, particularly in the latter stages of the game when we were looking at winning the clock down, um, he was really good at that, just carrying the ball, taking the pressure off. Is this now a sign of the kind of strength and depth that we've got in the squad?
1: I think think Silva, I mean Silva's a guy who arrived in English football with a huge price tag and to be honest I think he's showing a hell of a lot of enthusiasm just so he doesn't become the forgotten man. Um, you know, back at his his parent club, I think um he, he, he does show a lot of enthusiasm, and he knows or appears to you know know what he's actually doing as a front man, as a guy who's leading the line, as a guy who, you know, he's he's happy to do a lot of running, um, be that taking the ball, um, distributing the ball, or even running into wide areas. He is very, very keen, and you're right in terms of the strength and depth, you know, I think that's something, you know, going forward, um, I I do wonder, however, I would say that he arrived at Ibrooks and I don't think, personally, I don't think they brought him in to add strength and depth, I think they brought him in, it's all a a problem which was the number of goals that were being scored from forward positions um as it transpires you have um Desser's scoring a couple okay let me not turn down to gabriel Batistuta just yet but he actually looks as if he's seems to know the way to go um he still still frustrates with uh, the his decision making and when he actually you know carry play forward and when to have a go-go or or when to you know hold play up and lay it off. Um so I I, think, I still think that position's open to um debate. But I think the, the substitutions you know I, I think Clement didn't hang about when it came time to make the substitutions. I think he he's pretty positive when it comes to that. He sees something if he doesn't like it, he's going to change it. He's going to make the change and I think the changes suited the uh, rangers. Certainly they had to because they were back, you know, remember it was back at one each, and therefore they had to make a, a positive move. And I think that both of them went on actually helped them do that.
0: Yeah Clement it reminds me a bit of um, early days Mourinho substitution when he's not afraid to make early subs and that was always a trait I liked to kind of the early, early Mourinho where if something wasn't working he didn't hang around to change it. He just made the changes and
1: more often than not it paid off so it's good to see that right. we've got a manager that's now kind of doing that i've often i've often thought actually what you're saying there you're you're bang on and your observation i've often thought to myself if you know if there was a time shift and Mourinho, was it chelsea um back then but he's you had the current rules in terms of substitutions you could almost see Mourinho suddenly making eight changes just for the the sheer hell of it just to see what would happen um but you're right he's and he, he's not frightened to i mean there were a couple of changes in quick succession so he, he's not frightened to to make two and three changes at, uh uh you know at a time just to just to make things just to just to change things change things around and of course it adds a bit of momentum to what rangers are trying to do but also adds a bit of confusion or you know playing a bit of mind games with aberdeen because they've then got a few minutes to work out what rangers are trying to do by adding these new guys and because these substitutes come on the 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 aberdeen or the opposition have, have then to work out. What positions these guys are going to take up and how to play them best. So it, it actually it actually stalls things momentarily because the opposition have to do a bit of a rethink as well. But uh, I thought I thought the two of them did okay when they come on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before we're going to discuss the winning goal, let me give a shout out to our friends over at Football
0: Prizes. They are currently running a competition to win a brand new signed 2324 Rangers home shirt from Philip Clement. For more information on how to enter, please visit footballprizes.co.uk product slash signed shirt. Now, sure on to the winning goal, um, Cantwell again seems to be finding that scoring touch. Um, all of a sudden, that's I've got a few in the last uh, number of games now, but what I kind of wanted to talk about more was just the turnaround we've seen from him since the start of the season. You know, this was a play that Clement took off in the first half of a European game. And it could have been so easy for his being just career to almost end that night. You know, if that had went a different way and he'd maybe took it off, you know, that could have been it for him. But we've seen him really turn that around.
1: I think, I think when you see these um, substitutions made, whether it's tactical or whether it's just. A manager trying to impress his um you know point on the situation around the player it's not so much what happens at the time i think it's then becomes what happens when the manager gets a player on a one-to-one basis and explains why he made the substitution i think is the type of guy that would i think we've seen it actually that he's a kind of guy who will um Explain his decision making process and just not only explain it but justify his decision making process. And I think he puts that, he knocks the ball back into the the player's court then, because it's up to the player to respond or decide how he's going to respond. And I think it's been positive from um you know Cantwell you're right he could have felt sorry for himself and just got into hiding but I think he's actually he's actually taking on board whatever information Clement imparted um in those early exchanges and looks like a far better player a far better player for it he's not when he gets the ball he's not suddenly trying to dribble around the entire team he is quite happy as they take the ball lay it off and then make a run and I think with the goal he's scored you know, if, if you've ever played any football at any kind of level, you're told if somebody if somebody has a strike on goal, you head in that direction. The ball's not suddenly going to hit you in the back of the head. You know what I mean? You have to be in there in case the goalkeeper makes a save or there's a deflection or a rebound or whatever it is. And all he did was what any good uh, you know striker or attacking midfielder would do was get himself into a position in the box where if there was a rebound or a break of the ball, he could have been first in the queue, and, and that's what it proved. Again, I think the, I think it's different to the first goal. I think the Aberdeen keeper actually had to make a genuine save there just to try and get it out. I don't think he was caring where he was putting it. He just had to try and get his hands on it. Um, but it, it, the fact he diverted it back into uh, Cantwell's path and that Cantwell was there first, I think, shows that he's actually, you know, He's showing that awareness and he's actually doing a bit of thinking about what he's actually going to contribute to the team.
0: Yeah, it was good to see him get in the box to follow up on that shot. I think a lot of players in that position, you, they wouldn't even be in the box at that point. They'd be hanging around on the edge of the box. But obviously, Clamod seems to have told them to be getting kind of in the box to follow up on those kind of um, situations. Only one of the more, or I'd say probably the most controversial decision in the game um, late on, Dujon Sterling gets a red card for a missed time challenge I've got to be honest in real time I thought he's probably going to be in trouble here but having seen the replays I definitely can't see any justification for getting a red card and for me obviously it went to a Avar review the referee had another look at it and decided to stick with his decision it then went to an appeal and that's been kind of thrown out so the red card definitely stands um, what was your thoughts on all? When it happened
1: um, at, in real time, I said, that's the red card. When I saw the replays of it and the fact that the referee was summoned over to have another look at it, I thought it was still a red card because there was no way I could see, you know, this, this, I, I, because I'm summoned to the TV, I'll change my decision. I didn't see that coming because of who the referee was it was like almost like I've made a decision and it doesn't matter what you show me on a TV screen I ain't going to change it and I mean ultimately if I always always look at these things and and take these things and consider them if if that was a if that had been against your side well ultimately a red card was against your side but if that had been the opposition would you still have been shouting for a red card? Yeah, you probably would because you've seen them giving time and time again just now currently in football. The only thing that delayed the process was the fact that he went and viewed it on the TV screen and therefore it was like, um you know, as I say, I, I didn't see him changing his mind. And the fact that it's then going to an appeal and it's been thrown out is just, you know, the SFA supporting their officials. So they weren't going to suddenly say, yeah, he... He he got it wrong on the night, and there and now subsequently we've decided he's getting it wrong, and we're going to you know the players appeal is going to stand. No, I think once once he takes his decision to send them off, it was like you can appeal all you like that, but you know it ain't going to happen. He's going to be available for the next game. So ultimately, I think he was a kind of if you like a victim of. Where football is currently, but also I, th- I think the, the the referee ultimately was desperate to make a name for himself.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that you didn't think the referee would kind of change his mind when he reviewed it at the V L uh, speed. Is that one of the kind of fundamental? misunderstandings of VARs. people talk about var as if it's some kind of ai system that makes the decisions but all it is really we've still got the same poor referees they just have another opportunity to see the incident again but they're yeah. still the same poor referees making the same mistakes
1: that's right but you know yeah I, I i said this i said this months ago or uh, you know when when var was introduced into scottish football i you know i made the point on on talk sport you're still looking at the same officials, except in a different guise, making the same decisions. And if they're not very good when they're sitting, or when they're running about a football field, what do you think? You know, why are they suddenly going to turn into referee geniuses when they're actually sitting watching it in on a TV screen? So you're, you're stuck with who you've got, stuck with what you have. Um, you have to work with, and and therefore, I I, I did think if that had been in if there was no such thing as var and he'd been red carded nothing would have been said
0: and i thought but well, that is interesting to interesting to kind of think about that to be honest um i'm gonna be honest having had VAR now for as long as i've had it, i prefer the way it was before now i think i've made up my mind that if they were to decide to basically bin VAR, i'd be in favor of that now i'd kind of I've never been
1: really sure, but I think I've kind of made up my mind that. Forget those those kind of decisions, Brian, right? Forget anything like that in in terms of dubious decisions or or whatever, right? The thing, I started watching football as a kid because I wanted to go and see something that was exciting, be entertained. When a goal was scored, you learn, well, I'll glance at the linesman, see there's a flag up, and then you celebrated. It was that quick. Now, all life and enjoyment has been sucked out of football because you don't know whether to look at a linesman, the referee, or somebody signalling from the side, or whether he's putting his finger up to his ear to see "Oh, somebody's speaking to me from outer space." It it just takes away that spontaneity from football, and and that for me makes a a a killer. Again, the other night there, I I was I was speaking to. Uh, Paul Ross, on 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 TalkSport. One of the most famous goals in in British football is the one that Kenny Dalglish scored against Bruges. You know, as with a great wee dink pass through to Kenny Dalglish, it wasn't a wee dink pass, he actually did the guy that was running in to tackle him. And as would tell you that himself. But he gets the ball to Dalglish, Dalglish scores, and then bounds away over the advertising hoardings, I wait to take the adulation of Liverpool fans that wouldn't happen now because the first thing he would do he would stop and look around and see if it was a goal and then they would wait for the replay and then they would call it back and say as soon as you're booked because you just did the guy when you went to make the pass and it's it's taking that out of football and you know without digressing for too long i i, I just think football is in a worse place it's not a bad enough place you know given where we are financially and all the rest of it this is just turning it into a complete you know freak show
0: eventually about to give most to bring in blue cards but anyway that's a maybe a topic of discussion for another day um last point on the game i just wanted to get your thoughts I guess on the victory overall and what it could potentially mean going forward there was a lot of build up to this game you know there was a lot of chat online about you know let's make it like a european atmosphere obviously the choice of music want to bring back the memories of european night ibrox is there any extra significance on this game or was it just should it just be treated as a Euro-grade team win over aberdeen and does it go some way to dispelling the notion that this team buckles when the pressure's on um put it this way
1: at, at best this should be seen as a, a routine win over Aberdeen. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, what are they? They're, was it 33 points behind Rangers? So if, if there's a team that's 33 points behind Rangers and Rangers are playing at home in front of a full house, you'd expect Rangers to win that game. So I, I think anything, people, people look at Aberdeen and go, oh, this is going to be a tough one right away based on what Aberdeen did to Rangers at times during the 80s. You know what I mean? You know, Sir Alex Ferguson is long gone. That Aberdeen side side bears no resemblance to what what previously they'd been at, you know, um on show and in different games, be it cup ties or being at league matches. I think the significance might have been the fact that Aberdeen were the were the side that ended Michael Beale's tenure at uh, at Ibrox, but other than that, that ain't a great Aberdeen side, and you know. And again, I have to say it regardless of the opposition. Just now, Rangers playing at home should be three points guaranteed. Forget talking up the opposition; you only need to look at the league table to find out who you know how good some sides are. You know, Hearts are kind of hanging in there. Everybody else are are. Long gone. I mean, you, you, it's not inconceivable that you look between Kilmarnock and St Johnston, and every one of those sides are trying to avoid a 11th place. <laughs> you know, they they're, 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 they might finish in the top six, but that's that's meaningless in itself. So uh, I think all in all, Rangers are getting a whole a home match against anybody. Just now, you have to be looking at that as three points guaranteed.
0: Yeah, I think the days of treating you know, other SPFL teams like um, Real Madrid, for me should be long gone and it's something that Clement doesn't seem to do either, he doesn't, he's, he's never disrespectful but he also never unnecessarily talks up the opposition as if we're going into battle with you know, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, um, so that's something I like to see. Um, a bit of news that came out yesterday that I just wanted to get your take on was around the SPFL governance now. Six clubs, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Livingston, Rangers, St Johnston, and St Mirren, released a statement essentially calling into question the governance of the SPFL um, in a report that was released or not released into. Um, investigations into SPFL governance. Now for me this all stems back to the summer of 2020 and missing emails when rangers offered to fund an independent review into the governance of SPFL. Do you expect anything to change off the back of this latest statement Um, given that it's now other clubs joining the bandwagon if you like?
1: Yeah, I think I think other clubs, if you like, or as you put it, join the wagon because that is a concern. I think the, the the most fundamental concern is that the you know the SPFL who are claiming transparency and all of this then don't tell you what the f- faults or failures are in the actual letter that was sent. They basically point or highlight several um, uh, sort of factual or you know. Facts that are actually incorrect, without actually telling you what they actually are. So, forget being transparent. If you can't tell somebody where they've made a mistake, forget it. I, I, I just think again, they just close ranks and you know try and try and blunder their way through, um, which they've done previously. I think the fact that there are as many clubs basically calling them to, to book on this one. I think might have a bit more clout behind it but again you're looking for somebody on the other side of the table to blink and i, I don't see them blinking because i think they're fast asleep
0: yeah definitely be interesting to see how it plays out but I, I don't see a whole lot of change on the way to be honest, if i'm honest but we can always hope i suppose um on am omar scottish cup we obviously got a game on Saturday against Ayr and I believe Morton have just knocked Bullerwell out of the cup they have yeah um, yeah, so um, good result for Morton um, I'm sure uh, New Warnock will be pleased with that given that
1: he's <laughs> now, now a Morton fan all of a sudden aye <laughs> well um, I'm glad I'm left with my wee pal Doug Emery that he's got a, a win in the cup It's um, you know there are a lot of people talking about Morton and where they were league wise but I don't think I think the people that were talking about that didn't actually realise how many injuries they had and the fact that he's got all his you know most of his, his squad back together and all these sort of he, the, the players that would maybe add something to the team they're all back fit and healthy again I think I don't see any surprise in that and again you know where's the surprise in that is they beat Motherwell yeah and um, for us
0: obviously we've got Yale and Saturday. So um will be interesting um, kind of I like the story of
1: Scott Brown coming back to Ibrox as the manager. Do you think he'll get you will get a nice reception? It's uh, as you as you stated earlier. It's Scott Brown coming to Ibrox with Air United, not Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team. True, true. yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting one. Um, this is one of the this is one of the ones that, that there is nothing to fear except fear itself. And sometimes you can overthink how how difficult the opposition might be by you know who the manager is I, I always remember Rangers getting a Scottish Cup tie I think it was against Aloha, and Aloha brought in some hypnotist or whatever it was um, and this is during uh, Walter Smith's first spell as Rangers manager I think Rangers beat Aloha 6-0 um, George Albert scored an absolute sort of a free kick the, um, Jim Butter, the, the, the goalkeeper said change direction 47 times before I get anywhere near him. But somebody questioned or asked Walter about this hypnotist that was coming in and, and, I, I I wouldn't like to. If I put it this way: if I took out all the sweeteners of what Walter said that day at the press conference, I had have nothing to say. It basically it was it was the you think I've coached Rangers all these years and I've been a coach all these years, and some strength is going to come in and suddenly turn you know uh, Alawa into the nineteen seventy Brazil side. So it was like almost that kind of psycholo- psychological sort of advantage that Alawa trying to gain. What was did, didn't they buy it, and neither did the Rangers players. I think Rangers have to go against the United and toss everything else to to one side. If they do want any psychology about Scott Brown, remember him as a Fleetwood manager. Yeah, yeah, he's already already proven he's not got the greatest um, track record as a um, manager. Now, given that it is as you say, Scott Brown's here, United, not pick up the worst
0: Barcelona <laughs> Is this an opportunity to see?
1: A bit of an experimental lineup in terms of potentially first starts for Cortez and Diamandi I think they're decent enough players, therefore I wouldn't have too many, you know, sort of fears or or, or too many issues about putting them in. Because at some point you're going to try them out, and I think it's easier to try them out in front of a home crowd in the Scottish Cup against the United and the Ibrox than it is suddenly decide or suddenly finding out that you've got a midweek game somewhere and you desperately need to bring in a couple of players because of injuries or suspensions so yeah it would be but you know the other other side of that is that you are in the scottish cup you're looking to win another bit of silverware i mean so far uh, philip clement's got a hundred percent record when it comes to winning things as the rangers manager so um, it might be, you know, again he might decide. Uh, um, we're desperate to get in the next round, therefore we'll put a, uh, a, a decent side out. I still think there's going to be the factor that he knows how many games and how many big games Rangers are going to face, you know, either, uh, you know, either domestically or elsewhere, and therefore he probably will chomp change a, um a bit. I think. I I think it would be a good game to find out who you have or what cover you have in certain positions, maybe at left back, for instance, or, uh, you know, given the fact that um, Yomaz is still trying to find his feet a wee bit. uh, He's one of these guys, in one instant, he looks as if he's. He's Arthur Newman reborn and the next time you see him it looks like Jim Denny reborn and just doesn't seem to have been introduced to the, the those around him. So I, I think ultimately he might want to play him again just to see what he can do against United, or he might want to try somebody else there. But I, I don't see him going overboard with mass changes because rangers are still producing results, but they're doing so and breaking sweat and doing it. I don't I, I don't think they're just turning up and, and rolling over teams just now.
0: Yeah, but I, th- I think that we feel the squad's in a healthy enough position that even with making a few changes, he'll still be able to put a team out there that's more than capable of um, turning over to United. I would say. But it will be interesting to see um, the team that he goes with. And before we finish up, Stuart, I'll uh, take a score prediction if you've got one.
1: Uh, Rangers four, or by four, there's a difference between keeping a clean sheet and scoring four, uh, I'll go by four because I still I, I still think that, you know, the, the ability is to actually lose goals when you least expect it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take by four, however we get it. Maybe a nice 6-2, that would be a nice, uh, nice uh, Saturday <laughs> sort
0: of
1: even, sort of even game. 7-3, Real yeah. Madrid versus Eintracht, right for that's what you want.
0: Uh, let's go for it, Why not? Right, I think we'll call it time there. All that's left for me to do is thank my guests, Stuart. Thanks as always. Well, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, as well as being live tonight, the show will be available on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Spotify, ACAS, Stitcher, and we'd ask that you leave us a rating on your preferred podcasting app. Um, they'll, probably be, they'll probably be back next Sunday evening to review all the action from the weekend's match against A, I think it's John, Chris and yourself, Stuart, that's on
1: i think it is yeah sometimes known or referred to as the dream team uh other 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 things are the good the bad and the ugly but i'll let you decide who's who well make sure we tune in
0: next week for the dream team until next time guys bye for now